Hey, Rosetta family, Justin Allman here, and we're back with Pastor Dan. And recently we did a conversation about books that he is currently reading through and why um, those books are on his list and his stack that he's working through. And today he has a stack of books recommended for the men of our church. So, uh, Pastor Dan, I guess work us through the books that you have and why these would be beneficial for the men and fathers of our church family. Yeah, so... uh... These are all, so caveat, these are all books I've read. I'm not going to recommend any books I haven't read <laughs> yet. I don't think that's good practice. But for the men of our church, I have five books here um, that have helped to shape me a lot. And the first one is uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man by uh, Kent Hughes. And this book is, uh, was probably one of the most formative books, actually, for me in many ways. Um, this is this comes highly recommended by many of the most godly, like prolific pastors in our day and age, um, and I give it high commendation that this is something that men should study, that men should go through together. He even has a disciplines of a of a of a young godly man, I think, that could be used for like discipling like a younger man. Um, but if you want to know like the basics in and outs of uh, what is expected of a godly man, and then disciplining yourself to this, this will not only give you the tools. But we'll actually give you the unction a little bit to do that. Okay, so what are just some general high points or some of those disciplines or just some examples of things from that book? Yeah, I think that the the greatest thing that you'll get from this book is um, there will be a, a, a explanation of uh, disciplining yourself for godliness. And it'll go into uh, what he calls spiritual sweat. And the idea that uh, Paul exhorts Timothy to, to exert a spiritual sweat <laughs> to godliness, to discipline himself unto godliness. And so examples of that, he'll talk about uh, like what is expected of a man biblically. What does God expect? And then how do you discipline yourself towards that? So for instance, I think one of them is about like uh, love. And so how do you discipline yourself to love others? What does that look like? Well, first of all, again, you need the biblical precedent for that. And then second off, you need the practical application of that. And I'm trying to think actually in this book, it's actually a little meatier of a book. It's a little, a little thicker, but it goes through different things on like how did uh, one of them, what was fantastic for me was disciplining your mind. Mm-hmm. How do you discipline your mind? Cause again, you, you are what you think. Mm-hmm. And so if you are what you think, it's really important. <laughs> you control your thoughts. And so going through that is very practical. Uh, and not only that, then at the, at the end, he goes through a part on character and he goes through, uh, how to discipline your tongue, which we all are so thoughtless with all the time. Me, probably most of anyone else. And I have the most important work in that area. Uh, but not only in that, but also like in, in integrity, what does it look like to discipline yourself in integrity? Um, and then in ministry and then growing in the grace of discipline. Uh, so those are all different aspects. Cool. So disciplines of a godly man. That's first book you've got. What's the second one? Yes, the second one is called Leading with Love uh, by Alexander Strach. And uh, you'll recognize that name because he does the biblical eldership book that a lot of people know of that's really good. So this one was recommended to me. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This one was on my bookshelf, and I I have this like funny thing where sometimes every now and then when I, ha- I need to make a new stack, I'll go to my wife and say, like, okay, which book should I read? And I'll give her, like, five books and let her, like, pick whichever one I'm going to read next. And I had this in that stack, and this was like the last one I wanted to read because I had some like cool ones on doctrines and stuff I wanted to learn and different yeah, but stuff. Leading with love, and that's that was kind of mushy. Like, it feels yeah. like yeah, it feels like yeah. a like a like a like a. It's like a Hallmark movie, like a, like a rom com. Yeah, <laughs> that's a romance novel. Yeah. yeah, and so I end up. She says, "Oh, you should do that one." And I'm not gonna lie, I had a little bit of like a sigh, like 
okay, like I'll read the love book. And um, so I start reading this book, and again, not with the right mindset, like I need to be rebuked in that, but like I, I start reading it, and this is probably one of the most convicting books that I read in the last year or two, uh, Leading with Love by Alexander Strach. And the, and, the, and the reasoning for that is he does such a good job going through this and giving really practical examples of ways you and I uh, do not act in love and fail as leaders on a regular basis. Um, and there's some of them that you that, that you would have a harder time, or at least I did, identifying without that help. And he ties all of this into leadership. So, like, wh- why is love an important aspect of leadership? Because when you and I think of a good leader, uh, we, we, the number one thing we don't think of usually <laughs> is love. Like, we think of, like, a strong president or something like that or a general. We're not like, that guy was really loving. Like, I can't believe how loving he was. And yet the Bible will say that the best leaders are those that love and so how do I love my wife and children well? How do I love the my company or my employees or my employer? Um, I'm leading in all these different aspects. How do I do it? And this book will help you to not only break down the biblical um, reasoning for that and, and understanding the kind of the fruit of love. What all does fruit look like? How does it act like? What comes out of love? But also, again, that practical application. Sure. Leading with Love by Alexander Straw. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. What's the third book? Yeah. So the uh, third book is uh, Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. Um, and this is uh, was one of the first leadership books that I read probably like five or six years ago in ministry. Um, and it is just like... It, it, it was so formative for me in, in, the, in, that, in that day and age. And I cannot tell you enough. Like... I would have every leader in ministry read this book. Uh, and, and the reasoning for that is I've never had a book that showed me the principles of biblical leadership from Scripture in a more clear and concise way. Because it's not a giant book. Uh, there is like a little like study guide at the end and different stuff. But literally he just goes through like all these different qualities and, and, and all these different aspects of leadership and God's standard, pretty much. And then, like, explaining what the leader's relationship to time should be. How do you lead with time? Uh, how do you lead with your own education? How do you lead with your own sacrifices? Uh, how do you lead uh, in looking at Paul's life or looking at Peter's life? And there's so much you can learn from those biblical examples that you and I will not naturally see that we skim over. And I remember when I was first in ministry, there's many things I had to lead in that I felt completely ill-equipped to do, and this book helped me tremendously. Cool. Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. Yes, sir. All right, and then you got another book for us? Yeah, I got two more. Uh, The next one I'll do, actually, I'm currently reading through, uh, but I'm going to recommend it to you because it's that good. (laughs) It's called The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. Um, Now, this book actually has a pair, and so we'll get to that whenever we get to the women's... uh, women's books because I would highly recommend the uh, the women's one as well for the women. But for the men, The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott uh, is highly, highly recommended. And here's the reason why. Um, number one, it's going to go through what you need to recognize or what you need to understand of yourself, of God, of doctrine. It's like a very doctrinal platform upon which to build what the exemplary husband looks like from a biblical standard. 
Then he'll explain what your biblical responsibilities are. Uh, and he'll talk about how uh, you should lead. Uh, talk about physical intimacy. He'll talk about stewardship, uh, love again, or, or how you need to lead as worshiping Christ only. That was an interesting chapter for me. Then in the next one, he'll talk about your resolves, things that you must be resolved as a biblical husband, the exemplary husband to do. What would, what must you do? And he'll talk about humility and, and sensitivity. Um, having a responsibility to sensitivity is not something that the average man is like, oh yeah, I have a responsibility to be sensitive. Um, but also like coming alongside your wife, it, did you know that it's your responsibility to help your wife deal with sin? I bet, you, I bet you didn't. You probably don't look at that. You probably look at your wife as the one that helps you deal with your sin more often than not. I know I have done that before. And so looking at all these different things and learning how to go through that in resolves of like conflict resolution. And then also looking at the, the regrets of the exemplary husband. Um, the, the anger, the anxiety, uh, the lust that we can end up having these terrible moments of failure in. And how do we resolve, how do we ensure that we don't end up on that regret train and end up being the exemplary husband instead? Cool. So a lot to, I'm, I'm just, just thinking through all these books that you're presenting and the information in them, a lot of things to learn and a lot of um, growth that needs to happen. Not necessarily easy to put into practice. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I would say that a lot of these books are ones that uh, it's better almost to chew them, chew on them over time mm-hmm. than it is to just go ahead and read the book. Um, because if you just read the book, you'll probably miss applying it in the way that you should. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, no, makes sense. So that's The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. Yeah. And then what is the last book that you have for us here? Yeah, so the last one's probably the most unique one. Uh, and I usually wouldn't recommend this to the average person, but I'm going to do it today. Uh, this book's called The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. And actually the full title is The Godly Man's Picture Drawn with a Scripture Pencil by, okay. t- by Thomas Watson. And so this is a, to, to be to be clear, this is a Puritan book, and so this was written back in the day. It's, so it's got some older language, but they have updated the language, and uh, this is again written uh, published by Banner of Truth, and it is just so awesome. I have, I don't think I've ever been more convicted by any book in my life than by this book. I mean, there's been literally moments where I, I have just like read some of these pages and I've just sat there and cried and just prayed and said, okay, God, like how, <laughs> how do, how do I keep going? Cause I, I am in this pit right here. And what he'll do is to expound the scriptures, he'll end up actually just asking a bunch of different questions and then answering them and then giving you uses for the Bible's answers to your questions. And so he kind of does this like dialogue with you with himself where he is going to say, ask the question in the beginning, again, what is a godly man? And say, here's what scripture says a godly man is. And then as you ask all, and he'll ask all these deep, like penetrating questions, <laughs> convicting questions. Mm-hmm. And it, it, these questions will stare you in the face, in the mirror of yourself and say, oh, that's me. And then he'll give you the biblical reproof. He will literally like rebuke you almost in the, in the book, even though he's not talking to you specifically. Kind of feels like he is, though. Yeah, it does, really. It really does. And then he'll give you all the uses, though. And that's one thing I love about how the Puritans used to write. Um, like, for instance, like there's a question here on page 90 where he says, what means may we use to be humble? And then in that, he gives, let's see, uh, three answers. 
And so he says, let us set before us the golden pattern of Christ. He commenced doctor in humility, but made himself of no reputation and was made in the likeness of men. And then he looks at all this and says, look at a humble savior and let the plumes of pride fall. And you're like, huh, okay. Or like the number two, study God's immensity and purity. A sight of glory humbles. The stars vanish when the sun appears. And you're like, Okay, wait a second. I got to chew on that for a second. <laughs> like, yeah. like what, what is he saying? And then answer number three, let us study ourselves. And you're like, oh, I don't like, I don't like where we're going with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the question again is, what means may we use to be humble? And answer number three is, let us study ourselves. Okay, he says, first, our dark, our dark side. By looking at our faces in the mirror of the word, we see our spots. What a world of sin swarms in us. And you're like... Uh, I just don't have to think about that, though, you know? <laughs> you know, I, re- I really didn't want to read that on a Tuesday morning. Can we just talk about, like, how Jesus loves me today or something? Right. Like, do right. I have to face that? Um, and then you just look at all the different points. And so then he'll look at uh, the light side. He says, secondly, our light side, is there any good in us? And then he'll give you five points, how disproportionate it is to the means of grace that we have enjoyed. So so the idea that like our light and our darkness, all, all of our light is in us, is so overwhelming to the darkness, it's not even funny, and yet the darkness is still there. But we need to be grounded in this. Uh, the grace that we have is not of our own growth, that I have no responsibility mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for the good that's in my life. It's all because of God. Uh, how far short we come of others. Uh, our beauty is spotted. So even when we are doing beautiful things, it's still blemished by sin. And all of these things, again, humble us. And then the last one, if we would be humble, let us contemplate our mortality. And so again, the, the ultimate grounding fact of you are finite. Mm-hmm. What on earth do you have to be proud of? You are dust and one day you will return to dust. And as you read through this, you're just like, Goodness. And then he just goes through section by section. So like the next section is a godly man is a praying man. And again, he'll go through different questions and answer them and go through the uses of the answers. And you just sit there and you're just like, uh, uh, I'm convicted. Oh, I'm convicted again. <laughs> oh, I'm convicted again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that's the godly man's picture drawn with scripture's pencil Yep. by Thomas Watson. Yep. My favorite Puritan book ever. Okay. So that rounds out the list, and we will have a picture of this up on the Facebook page as well if you want to see what these books look like. But five books recommended to the men of our church family, Um, and there you have it.